The following recording is a presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome you to visit our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service of Berean Baptist Church. Okay, turn with me to Psalm 11. Psalm 11. You can remain seated as, as I read this passage of Scripture. Psalm 11. We read here, In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For, lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privately shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and an horrible tempest. Uh, This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. Let's just bow our heads and pray for a moment. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we, every day of our life, have your precious word in our possession. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us the privilege of prayer, that we can commune with you, that we can speak to you. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us your Holy Spirit that comforts us and instructs us and guides us in paths of righteousness. Where would we be without these things, Lord? We would be in a dark world for sure. But we do praise you and thank you. And we help, we ask today that you would help us. Help us to get our minds and hearts back on the track they should be. Just bless this message today, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at verse number 3 again in chapter 11. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? This is a very thought-provoking question, isn't it? What can the righteous do? America was founded upon principles of liberty and justice for all. However, it is very clear to see today that liberty and justice are no longer applied equitably for all. But this does not surprise me. For... It is in the nature of man to gravitate toward depravity. I mentioned once to a co-worker years ago, back in Louisiana, we were talking and he was talking about how it seems like man is getting so much better. And I told him, I said, oh no. I said, man is very depraved and this society will only get worse and it will only become less and less favorable to God's people. America is morally and ethically sick. She is a far cry 
from what she was 245 years ago. The precepts of liberty and freedom no longer apply to biblical principles. Our rights as believers are being sacrificed on the altar of liberalism. Prayer is banned from every public space and the workspace. The Bible has been also banned. Today, America can be compared to the Titanic. She has been damaged beyond salvage. She is sinking, and nothing can stop it. Now, I realize that God can do all things. And if it were the will of God, he could salvage America. But why should he? Turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah, just the next book over, Isaiah chapter 15. I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5. I'm going to begin reading at verse number 20, and I want you to listen as I read. And I want you to see if, you, if this sounds like America. Isaiah chapter 5, beginning at verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good... And good evil, that put darkness for light, and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes, and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine, and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward. And take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Therefore, as the fire devoured the stubble, and the flame consumeth the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness, and their blossom shall go up as dust, because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts, and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against his people, and he has stretched forth his hand against them, and has smitten them. And the hills did tremble, and their carcasses were turned in, in the midst of the street, or torn in the midst of the street. For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. I put no hope in the revival of America today. Now, don't misunderstand me, and please don't misquote me here. I place all of my hope and all of my faith in God. But none in our nation's ability nor propensity to turn back to God. It is just as when Abraham bartered with God to save Sodom and Gomorrah for Lot's sake. Remember, he bartered all the way down to Lord. What if there's ten righteous? Will you spare the city? And the Lord said, yes, I'll spare it for ten. But he couldn't find ten righteous. Not even ten righteous people could be found in that great city. And in 21st America, we, God's children, have sold out biblical principles. Did you hear I said we, God's children, have sold out biblical principles. 
We've sold them out for personal gain. We've sold them out for fleshly lusts. We've bought into the secular humanism of today. We've raised an entire generation of young people on secular humanist philosophies. And now we are reaping the whirlwind. We're like a frog sitting in a pot of water. And the water's been slowly heated. And the the little frog has no idea what's going on. He doesn't know he's about to become frog soup. And he sits there, and before he realizes what's happening, it's too late. This morning, the foundations, <laughs> the, the, the spiritual, biblical foundations are crumbling beneath us. Now, if you want to sit there and deny that, you want to, you want to live in denial, go ahead. But anybody with any kind of understanding of the word of God can see that America's foundations are crumbling. Even those who hate God can see this. And they're excited about it. They're excited to see that biblical principles are dying in America. And before too many more decades, our religious freedoms very well may be extinct. We will be told how to worship. We will be told when to worship. And we will be told where to worship. This morning I weep for my grandchildren. And if the Lord tarry, my great-grandchildren. You might be sitting there saying, boy, this is a gloomy message. And it is. But, watch out for billy goats, but there is much to be thankful for today. If you're a child of God, there's much to be thankful for. And while there is very little we can do to salvage America, there is much that can be done for God today. This morning, I would like to take just a few moments and be an encouragement to all of us. I'm not going to preach some unknown facts. I'm just going to remind us of some things today. America is in trouble. She's in trouble. And, and likely you and I are not going to save her. But we must live in this world. Amen. And while we live in this world, we must be a peculiar people. Amen. And we must glorify God. Despite all of the hardships we face as from a biblical position, we must glorify God in all that we do. So let me, let me be an encouragement this morning, maybe just a little reminder. Yes, the foundations of religious freedom and liberty are crumbling. And it's only going to get worse, by the way. It, 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 we're not at the apex yet. It's going to get worse. 
You young people in this room, you better, you better, you better hang on. It's going to get a lot worse. But there are some things that the righteous can still do today and going forward. So I'd like to share those thoughts with you this morning. (laughs) What can the righteous do? Number one, we can pray. We can pray. Prayer is the source of our power to live in righteousness. You know, if you have a, if you have a powerful tool without a power source, that tool is useless, isn't it? And God has given us a powerful tool. It's called prayer. But we have to plug that prayer into the right source for the power. Prayer is not the last resort. I heard someone once say they were going through a lot of trouble and they said, well, let us pray about it. And the other person said, oh, has it come to that? Prayer is not the last resort. It's the prime directive. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, we read, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In everything, by prayer and supplication, we're with thanksgiving. Those are some important things to remember. Prayer. However, just as important as it is to pray, we must pray for the right things. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, Paul writes, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. We all need each other. And we need, we need the prayers of each other. I need your prayers. You need my prayers. Our prayers, however, usually, usually come from a, a, a sense of self-need. You understand what I mean by that? Usually we pray for what we want. We pray for what we need. We focus our prayers on those things. In fact, our prayer life is often motivated by a sense of need rather than by a true heartfelt desire to commune with God. (coughs) Forgive me. (coughs) My allergies are just tearing me up these days. Lord, I thank you for my allergies, though. (laughs) Just can you help me get rid of them? We pray from a sense of self-need. However, as God's children, we should pray from a sense of what God wills. And it is in this vein that the Spirit helps our prayers unto the Father. 
Today concerning praying for, praying for our government and this leader. I hear people all the time say, don't forget to pray for the government. Don't forget to pray for the lead, for our leaders. Pray for, pray for those things. Yeah, I pray for them, but I pray from the focus that God's will be done concerning our government and its leaders. You know, the scriptures allude to the fact that God gives people the leaders they deserve. So we better be, we, we better not we better be praying that God's will will be done through the government leaders. Good or bad. You know, the scriptures do say, shall we receive blessing and not cursing from the hand of God? Did God, God never promised us a rose garden, did he? He never told us that it would be easy. He only promised us he would never leave us nor forsake us. He promised us that in the good times or the bad times, he would be right with us. And he would be alongside of us. And it would be he that holds us up. Concerning praying for our government as leaders, they're corrupt. They have no fear of God. Bold are they in the laws they pass that undermine biblical principles. They are thoughtless to the needs of God's children to worship their father in truth and in sincerity, just as Pharaoh was. When Moses came to Pharaoh and said, allow God, allow us to go that we may worship our, our, our God. Pharaoh said, no, I'm not worried about your God. And that's how our government is today. But what can we do? Well, we can pray. And we can pray that God's will be done in all things. And then we can live our life by faith. And we can accept the will of God, whatever it may be. Sometimes I think we forget that God's in control. And we, we feel like we need to take charge. We feel like we need to step up and push God out of the way and say, let me run things, God. No, that's not at all the way we need to be. But we do need to pray. So what should we pray for? Well, I mean, let me give you a few things real quick. First, letter A, we should pray for strength. We should pray for strength. I'd like you to turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6, and let's begin at verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. What do we need today? What do we need to face the corruption in our nation? 
What do we need to endure the injustices that God's people face every day? Well, what we need is the strength that only God can supply. In Second Chronicles chapter 32, we read, And he set captains of war over the people, and gathered them together to him in the street of the gate of the city, and spake comfortably to them, saying, Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, not for all the multitude that's, that is with him, for there be more with us than with him. Uh, with him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Too often we forget. We are blinded that it is God that battles for us. We don't, we don't, we don't fight against flesh and blood. No, we fight against principalities and powers and, and the things of the darkness in this world. And we cannot fight that spirit, those spiritual battles. We cannot fight them. Only God through us can fight those battles. You remember the story of Elijah and his servant? In Second Kings chapter 6 we read, And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host encompassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that battle with us or more than they that be with them. <laughs> and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Elisha stood there, Elisha and his servant, alone against the entire armies encamped about them. But Elisha could see the power of God. And around the mountain's top were the host of God. Angels with swords and chariots of fire ready to defend God's man. You know, we forget that today. We forget that. In the midst of the crumbling foundations in America this morning, a nation filled with abortion, a nation filled with homosexual marriages, we forget who's really in charge, don't we? We're compassed about by the great armies of God. And when God has had enough, he will unleash that army. But we forget that. Either we forget it or we don't really believe it. So all we can do today, you and I, we need to pray for God's strength. Lord, strengthen me. Help my unbelief. Lord, strengthen my weak heart. Help me to stand against unrighteousness. Help me to stand against sin. 
Help me to stand against all the, the wickedness that I see every day. Help me, Lord, to, to glorify you. Help me to be that peculiar person, that one person that still believes and honors God. We need strength for that. We need the armor of God. Listen, no weapon of man can penetrate the armor of God. But we must wear that armor. We must pray and ask God for the strength and the wisdom that we need. But not only do we pray for for strength, we also, number two, pray for wisdom. We need to pray for wisdom. James chapter 1. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. We need to pray for wisdom. Wisdom comes from God and God alone. Now it is important that we understand that we must do what we can for righteousness sake. In Jude chapter 1, Jude writes, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it is needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Earnestly contend for the faith. We're to do our part. We're to do what we can to glorify God in this life. I'm to control my flesh. I'm to control my thoughts. I'm to control my mouth. I'm to, I'm to live a life that glorifies and honors God. That's my responsibility. But we need wisdom. We need wisdom to know what we can and cannot do. I stand in front of my vanity mirror every morning and look at the perfection that I see in the glass. No, not at all. <laughs> Believe me. But I have, a, I have something that was given to me about 35 years ago. I have it sitting there. And it's, it's a little thing that has the serenity prayer. And I read it every morning. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. Sometimes people come to me and they're so worried and they're so concerned. And I'll ask, I'll always ask them the same thing. Well, what can you do about it? And they'll usually look at me and say, well, I, I don't know. And I tell them, if you, if, you, if you can do something to make it better, then do it. But if you can't do anything to change it, then don't worry about it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be what it's going to be. Listen, you and I, we can't, we can't, we can't change the things we can't control. So let's don't worry about them. I, I, I can't control the government. I can't do it. If I had the power to control the government, I'd wipe them all out. Starting with Barbara Boxer. I'd wipe them all out. But I can't. I, I can't control that. So what, can, but what can I do? Well, I can pray for wisdom to know how to, how to encourage my family, how to encourage my friends. 
I can, I can pray for wisdom to know how to respond to the things that I face every day. We need wisdom. In other words, it's right to fight against things such as abortion or, or homosexuality. It's right, to, it's right to resist those things and to preach against them and, and, and to speak against them. However, it's not right to bomb abortion clinics or to beat up homosexuals. That's not right. Neither is it right to become complacent and compromising. Does it sicken you when you see it? Oh man, that sometimes, sometimes they have things on TV that make me sick. Literally make me ill. But I don't go grab my TV and throw it outside and stomp on it and set off on a rampage shooting people all over the place. That's not how we fight it. We contend for the faith through preaching, through teaching, through exhortation. Romans chapter 12, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Oh yes, I'm appalled by what I see across America today. But I am not without hope. Not for America, but for the will of God. I know that God will avenge his own name. In his own time. My prayers for strength and wisdom. But there is one other thing we should pray for. And that is letter C. We should pray for courage. Pray for courage. Second Timothy chapter 4. Paul says. For I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth. There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Again, Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 1. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I think about the men who, under great tribulation, stood courageously for God. I think about men in the Bible such as Noah. Noah, who for 120 years labored to build the ark, believing in God and preaching righteousness. I think of Abraham. Abraham, who forsook his home and his family... To go to a city that God would show him. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who defied a king to stand for righteousness. And were cast into the fiery furnace. I think of Daniel. Daniel who faced the den of lions to obey God rather than to obey man. And I think of the apostles. Who each one faced death. Rather than obey man. These men all faced greater persecutions. Than you or I will ever face in our lifetime. But we need to be just as courageous as they were. 
And the only way we will find this kind of courage is through God. So what can the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed, what can we do? Well, we can pray. But then if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Number two, we can persevere. Persevere. You should still be in Ephesians chapter 6. Let's look at verse number 14. We read here, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparations of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the helmet of faith, of the shield of faith, wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We can persevere. All of us here this morning could name someone that we knew that, that quit, quit on God. They, they backslid and they left the, they left the Lord. Now, I'm not trying to be unkind to anyone. And I'm not attempting to imply that that we are any better than than they or or anyone else. Remember, Paul did say in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. I simply wish to emphasize that it's easy to quit. In fact, it's easier to quit than to persevere. It's easier to succumb to the pressures of the world. To just give in and give up. And then justify our actions with excuses. We read just a moment ago a description of the armor of God. This armor is complete. And it will protect us from the attacks of the world and the devil. So our options are clear cut this morning. Persevere and accept the consequences of living for God in a world of corruption and compromise. Or give up and accept the corruption and compromise and betray the Lord. You must make that choice. Each one of you. Mom and dad's here this morning. You can't make that choice for your children. You can train them up, you can teach them, you can encourage them, but you can't make that choice for them. They have to make that choice for themselves. All of you, all of you young people here, don't, don't blame your parents. You have, you have enough knowledge to make the right choice. You must make that choice. I must make the choice for me. My family must make the choice for themselves. Joshua made a choice in Joshua chapter 24. He, we read, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. And Joshua said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
Persevering is a choice. And it is a choice that God has enabled each of us here this morning to make. Now, what do we need to persevere? I'm going to give you three thoughts real quick. First, we need understanding. If we are going to persevere, we need to understand what we're dealing with. 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Knowledge will give us the ability to stand firm. It will give us the wisdom to resist the winds of compromise. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at the number of people claiming to be saved yet have such little understanding of God's word. Where I work, there's several several people there who claim to be Christians. But I'm I'm just dumbfounded by how easily they're 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 taken around by different doctrines they hear. Some of them quit coming to me because they know what they're going to hear when they come. <laughs> so they don't come anymore. And I'll see them in the hallway. I'll say, "Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm I gotta go. I'm I'm really busy." Okay, go ahead, go. Better watch where you're going, though. We need understanding, and and we're not going and we're we're not going to get understanding unless we study. We're not going to understand get understanding unless we get ourselves under the under right preaching. I praise the Lord for our pastor. I I, I praise the Lord for the doctrine that he teaches us, which is true doctrine, which is truth. And, and we need to understand these things. And we're not going to understand them unless we study. We're not going to understand them unless we, unless we delve into God's word prayerfully, asking and allowing the Holy Spirit to instruct us and teach us. We need understanding. But then secondly, we need determination. We need determination. Romans chapter 8, Paul writes, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing could cause Paul to compromise and quit on God. Why? Because he understood he understood the power of God. He understood the will of God. He learned to accept God's will, whatever it may be. And to, he learned that in that time to, to do those things which honor and glorify God the Father. Not which appeal to our flesh, not which appeal to our mind, not which appeals to those around us, but focusing his heart and mind on God and God alone. He was determined. Jesus was determined. The Bible says he set his face toward Jerusalem like a flint. Jesus was determined to go through and, 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 and to fulfill the will of God 
in his life. Daniel was determined. We read, we read in the book of Daniel that Daniel purposed in his heart. He determined in his heart that he would not defile himself, that he would not break the commandments of God. He determined, he, he was determined to do the right thing. We need determination. But then what else do we need to, to persevere? Number three, we need commitment. We need understanding, we need determination, but, and we need commitment. Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. The real question is, who do you love? You see, commitment, to, to be committed to something takes love. Why do so many marriages end in divorce? Because they're not based on commitment. They're based on lust. Or they're based on opportunity. But when a man and a woman are committed to one another, they find ways to work it out. My wife and I just last month celebrated 41 years of marriage. Now, we, let me tell you, we've had quite a few arguments in those 41 years. And I can, I can honestly tell you right now, I didn't win one of them. Not a one. I learned pretty fast. You know what? It's just not worth it. Now, you know, I've, I've heard the saying, happy wife, happy life. How many of you ever heard that? Happy wife, happy life. I don't agree with that. That's not true. Just because your wife's happy don't mean you're going to be happy. But I will say this. Happy wife. Peaceful life. You'll find peace when she's happy. Yeah, I'm, that's a different subject. We'll get, we'll get back on track here. But it takes commitment, folks. It takes commitments. Patsy and I have been married 41 years, and not one time did we even for one minute entertain separating. Never. We were committed that no matter what comes along, we're going to work it out. Why? Because it's the will of God that we do. We need commitment. If we're going to persevere... If we're going to persevere in this world today, the way things are, we have to have commitment to God. Otherwise, we're going to quit. And we're going to bail on God and we're going to, we're going to go with the mainstream society and we're going to flow with the world. We must have that commitment. So the real question is, who do you love? Do you love God or do you love the world? If you love God, you'll persevere in the face of all the corruption and compromise we see in America. If you love the world, you will forsake God and excuse away the corruption of this world. So as the foundations crumble around us, let us pray. Let us persevere. And then finally this morning, lastly, number three, Trust in God's promise. Trust in God's promise. Let's all turn to John chapter 14.
John chapter 14. And let's look at verse 1. Most of you probably memorized this verse, but let's just look at it. John 14, 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. See, Jesus is trying to comfort his apostles here. Because they, they've, they've learned that he must be, be crucified. He must be sacrificed. And, and their heart is troubled over that. And, and they're, they're despondent at, at the thought of losing their Lord. And Jesus is saying, don't worry. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God and believe also in me. What is Jesus telling them there? I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to come back and I'm going to receive you unto myself. When I was a preteen, my dad built a, a shrimp boat, a trawler. I knew, I, could, I knew that was a dark day. As I watched him build that boat in the backyard, I, 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 I said to myself, self, this is not going to be good for you. And I was right. Every time he decided to go out there and go shrimping, guess who had to go? I didn't have a choice. I had to go. And we went through some hairy things out there. But there was one time we were out there, and we were out pretty far out, and a storm came up on us really fast and came up between us and the shore. And it was bad. I mean, it was, the sky was black. Lightning everywhere. and The wind howling. And the waves got to be about 15 to 20 foot high. When, when, when dad would steer his, his trawler down inside the trough of one wave, when you get to the bottom, if you look up, you saw nothing but water. As high as the ceiling all around you. I was terrified. And I, I was, I, I ran inside the cabin and I climbed down underneath the bunks and covered myself up and I was scared. I mean, I was, I was, I thought we were dying. I thought we were going to die. And I looked out from under there and I looked up at dad and dad was sitting in the captain's chair and he was laughing and talking with my brother-in-law. And he looked down at me and he, he just said, don't worry, son. It's going to be okay. And a calm came over me. And I, I got out from underneath the bunk. And I walked out there and stood next to dad. Had my arm around the, the, the leg of his captain's chair. And started looking around. It was actually kind of pretty. And, and it seemed to just get peaceful. Why? Because my daddy promised me it would be okay. And I trusted in my daddy. Now, please understand. My daddy made me a promise, and that gave me hope. But how much more can I trust in the promise of my heavenly father? 
There are a lot of things I do not know today. But there is one thing I do know. And that is that Jesus is coming again. And though I don't know when, the fact that he is coming is certain. And the fact that he is coming for me is certain. I'm not going to be left behind. He, and you won't be left behind. If, if you're a child of God, you won't be left behind. He's coming to receive us unto himself that where he is, we may be there also. Man will do as men do. They're corrupt. We read in Romans, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. The word of man is worthless. However, the promises of God are sure. Numbers chapter 23. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? We can, what can the righteous do when the, when the foundations begin to crumble? We can, re, we can remember and stand on the promises of God. We have his word, and his word is true. Now, as I said earlier, and I'm going to wrap things up here, I do not hold out hope for America today. But that does not mean that I've given up. And it does not mean that I have no hope. My hope is in the Lord and his righteousness. One of my favorite songs is, I shall see him face to face. The words go, someday the silver cord will break. And I no more as now shall sing. But oh, the joy when I shall wake within the palace of the king. And I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace. And I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace. This sin-sickened world will howl and blow until it's all destroyed. But God will never leave me, nor forsake me. This earth shall be consumed by the fires of God's judgment. But God will not forget me, to deliver me into his presence. We have no need to fear today. For God is still on his throne. And all things will be done according to his will. And according to his purpose. If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, we can pray. We can pray for strength, for wisdom, and for courage. What can the righteous do? We can persevere. We can stay the course. Do not quit. Do not compromise. What can the righteous do? We can trust in God's promise. Jesus is coming again. Let us pray.
Father, as your children, we have no need of fear today. We can stand with courage. We can stand in strength. We can persevere in the face of of, of compromise and corruption. We can stand on and trust and believe in your promises. I don't know what's going to happen in America, Lord. And, and quite frankly, I'm not concerned about it. Because it's, it's all happening according to your will and purpose. But what I am concerned with today is my heart. Is my heart right with you? Am I doing the things that I should be doing? Do I have the wisdom I should have? Do, do I have the courage I need? Do, do I have the strength that it takes? And these things, Lord, only come from you. I can't, I can't look for them anywhere but you. So that's my concern today, Lord, is, is my heart. Help me, Lord. Strengthen me. Holy Spirit, instruct me and guide me. Cause me to walk in paths of righteousness. Cause me to do those things that will glorify God. That's my concern today. Not America. America will go the way of all nations. And we seek a home in the heavens. We seek that day that you will come and that you will receive us and you will bring us to our heavenly home. So in the meantime, we'll pray. And we'll persevere. And we'll stand on your promises. Thank you, Lord, for all that you are to us. We ask that you bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Roner Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Brian Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Roner Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us online at www.bebaptist.org.